0: Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Hanjay Araja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. And you can become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Well, as always, we've got Ishmael Johnson here. Ish, how you doing?
1: Doing good, man. Doing good.
0: Well, I think that we have to start this show um, with a very special apology, uh, and that is to Alicia Hogue. Rutgers. <laughs> Rutgers.
1: Oh, well, well, first, the first apology has to be from Chris Ash for absolutely <laughs> ruining Rutgers' program and anything we ever yeah. thought of that program, what that program could be, because apparently you just need a semi competent coach, and all of a sudden, Rutgers looks pretty okay. Listen,
0: uh, <laughs> so Alicia gives us a hard time because we do, you know, Rutgers is our stand in for bad football team. I think that that right. is fair to say. Um, and look, I think that that is a very fair thing to do personally, uh, because of, you know, their entire recent history. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Rutgers first game under Greg Shiano comes out and beats Michigan State. Now, this Michigan State team is going to be a little bit of a disaster this year I think like Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people expected them to not be very good but you know what they came out and won by double digits like (laughs) it wasn't close (laughs) I mean I I think that you it doesn't matter uh it, it doesn't matter how it happens if you go out and beat another Big Ten team by 11 points after everything that Rutgers has been through
1: Woo! How about that? Well, I think it was, hasn't it been since like then. Then the stat floated around in like 2017 since they won a Big Ten game or something I like that. Right. Yeah, like, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. Insane. And then they just do it, and like you said, then it doesn't matter how bad we expect Michigan State to be. They just come out and they you know win by double digits in their first game under Greg Schiano in this weird season, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about that, man? Rutgers all of a <laughs> sudden causing people some issues now. I do have to throw in, uh, you know, not not to take away from it, but just because it's hilarious. Michigan State turned over the ball seven times, including fumbling five times. Oh, that's it is hilarious. That's you know, again, that's that's not to take away from Rutgers. That is just to say, Michigan fumbled the ball five times. That's amazing. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, we we are the Republican football. We talk about Texas football. We don't have to, you know, stay, we don't have to stick with Rutgers too long. But uh, but just wanted to make sure it, that we gave our official apologies to Alicia. So <laughs> jumping right into it uh, for us though, um, you know, this was this was kind of a weird weekend because I just feel like everybody was a little disappointing this weekend. <laughs> I yeah. Don't know. That that's just the feel I got overall. Now not granted, not everybody was bad. Some teams were good, but uh but we can jump into it right here, okay? At number 12, newly number 12, because we now do have 12 teams, Texas State. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Sitting at 1 and 6. Um yeah, ULM really must be the worst team in America by a lot, <laughs> if this is what we're working with. Uh they lose 52-14 to BYU. Look, it's BYU. BYU is so much better in Texas state. It's mm-hmm. basically playing a Power 5 team right now, if not obviously a top 10 team. So like it's nothing to be concerned about. The the big issue obviously becomes that okay, well now you play Louisiana next and mm-hmm. that sucks too.
1: Right. Yeah. And so I'm wondering like there was there was a moment in this game where I think that I think that they—I don't say they gave the game away because obviously BYU was going to take it regardless. But I would have liked—I would have preferred to have seen them a little more daring. I think it was when I'm trying to think of the exact situation. Uh, BYU—I think they might have forced a, a punt or something. It was early in the game, right? Mm-hmm. And they decided to—it was like fourth and five or something—and they punted. And I was like, I. Don't like that. Like you you're again Zach Wilson is is awesome. He's gonna drive down the field. Like you have to take every opportunity to at least show that you're gonna, you know, maintain something against this team because you're not gonna stop BYU's offense. Um and surprised they didn't stop BYU's offense and they scored. And they, you know, that was the last lead Texas State had, and, and all of a sudden it was like, okay, well, there goes that. The other thing I wanted to hint on. I don't know. If Brady McBride is the guy this year, yeah, and I think a lot of it is still. And granted, he started really great, right? He was six for six on that opening drive. They went down and score. Um, he did one of his little Brady McBride things where he throws across his body, hits Marcel Barbie, boom, touchdown. Um, but outside of that, he was pretty bad. Um, and not even bad against BYU. He's it's been it's things that have been showing throughout the season and i think a lot of it still hinges on what we saw against smu um but when you look at the rest of the season i don't know if there's some if there's enough to be like okay he's the guy going forward and tyler vitz the backup and because I, i i just don't i don't see it right um or I see so it, I, but I don't. I don't see. I don't see the consistency because the thing is, a lot of it's starting to boil down to snap the ball, drop back five yards, run out of the pocket, and not even not even when the offensive line is bad. He does that a lot. Right.
0: Right. No, I think that's fair. Um, you know, to me, I think that he just needs more reps. I, sure. I really think that that's the bigger thing. I mean, I thought he's been okay. two
1: years since he's played, so yeah, right. that's
0: fair. I thought he looked fine against South Alabama. Like uh, obviously okay. that Troy yeah. game, that that Troy game was obviously when they were pulling them back and forth. That was kind of a disaster. Mm-hmm. And and you know to give credit too, like it's not just the SMU game. Like against Boston College, I think he looked really good too. So like, look, I the issue now, you know, like I said, is now they have to play Louisiana. They've still got a game against App State. Like they still have to play. A bunch of really good teams. Not to mention that obviously, like coastals, apparently one of the best teams in the, in the Sun Belt now. Yeah, worth that that's a, <laughs> that's a thing that's happening. Uh, but, but you know, so like that's more my issue is that mm-hmm. I think that Texas State maybe only has one or zero wins left on the schedule. But I don't, I don't view that as being about Brady McBride. Oh no! Right. I
1: don't think it's about him. I think I mean I think the defense is a lot worse than I think we may have thought. Um, right. I think the running and they're game wearing is more, down. They're wearing right. They're wearing down in the and the running game is is not as dynamic um, as right. we maybe have thought. And obviously, I still think the play calling is could be a little better, but. Um, I'm starting to see some things that might be concerning as far as his decision making in the pocket. Because honestly, he doesn't stay in the pocket a lot, and the offensive right. line isn't isn't bad this year, right? They're they're fine, right. but they're you know they're miles where they have been. So that's that. I guess concerning is a little bit more my the word I'm looking for. Yeah, well,
0: I will say you know I've said a couple times this year. Uh, I know that they're one and six. I know that they're struggling. I still feel like to be the last place team in the state. They're not that bad. Right. So like mm-hmm. to, to me, like I, I still think the where we're at at the state right now, you know, it's kind of nice at least to have like the bottom four not literally be like four of the last seven teams in the country. So I'll take that. Mm-hmm. But uh, moving on to, to uh, a team that was off last week, North Texas, they had a bye week. Um, obviously, they're coming off of that impressive win against Middle Tennessee. Uh, not a whole lot to say about them right now, but um, I will be excited to see whether they kind of try to retool their offense this week, uh, going against UTEP to be a little bit more of a of a dual threat attack with Jason Bean. But uh, obviously, we don't exactly know, um, you know, what they're gonna do. But but I think there's encouraging signs there. So moving on to number ten, though, we got a new team in the poll. Oh. <sighs> I did not know it was physically possible for a ball to doink five, four times <laughs> and not go <get laughs> in. And like I was, I was trying to watch. So we're talking about the Rice Owls, obviously. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so just to set that up, if you did not see the game, um, so this was this was what this was the the first overtime, right? They get a stop. Yes. Um, like they they literally get a stop on the on the first drive of overtime, so they just need to put any points up on the board. So they run the we're gonna do nothing, and play, like try
1: to they they play for a field goal.
0: Right. and and like it's one thing to play for like a field goal and it's another thing to be like well we got the ball at the 25 that seems fine right like,
1: right yeah <laughs> you they, know, they, they, right they play for a field goal where they are when they right. hit the ball at overtime <laughs>
0: they, they played for a 40 plus yard field goal right right and and like again if you if you uh i understand why you don't want to throw the ball i understand all that sort of stuff but like if you get from the 25 to the 15 like that's totally fine right like that's totally yeah. like all right, that's a very manageable field goal. Uh, I definitely feel confident about a college kicker coming up and doing this. And, like, their kicker had been playing pretty well that game. Like, and, and I hope that, you know, this, <laughs> these moments don't end up sort of sticking with him heading forward because he, he has played well. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, man, I, th- I think that the field goal ended up being 45 yards because they lost two yards while trying to set all this up amazingly. I- again, I mean, they-, they managed so much of the rest of the game so well, so it was just so frustrating to watch this. Um, so they go up, they kick a 44-yard field goal uh, in overtime, and which would have been enough to win. It hits... The right, upright, Bounce middle, off upright, the middle, back to it the bounces, left, <laughs> hits left and comes back to the middle. And even then, you're like, "Is it gonna fall the right way?" And it didn't. Right. It did not. <laughs> that,
1: that. Oh my gosh. It. It's almost like the most cruel form of karma. Yes. Because again, you're playing. Yes. Congratulations. You stop Middle Tennessee State. Right. Big stop. Oh my gosh. You know. I think this game also played out the way I kind of expected it to. Um, yeah, yeah. Rice looked like a team that had been off for a while, mm-hmm. and Middle Tennessee was really, really, I don't say taken advantage, but just looked like a crisper team, mm-hmm. um, despite being, I mean, I think we both admit pretty bad, but um, they can—they they obviously played football for, you know, two months. <laughs> right. um, and then Rice just all of a sudden made plays, and then all of a sudden, like, the last drive of the game, you're like, oh, my gosh, Rice is like, oh, here's Rice, right? <laughs> and then um, – <laughs> right. And then, yeah, and then they do all of that to just play for a field goal. And, right. it, oh gosh, and then, of course, Middle Tennessee goes down and scores, and, yeah, game over. Um, that was disappointing. Right. But right. I think we both expected Rice to lose, but I think that the way the, – the fact that they had this game made it more cruel because I expected Rice to lose by maybe a couple scores, you know, just being their first game back and – And the fact that they looked as good as they did when they kicked into gear, like that, God, like just the way for that to end. (laughs) Come on.
0: Yeah, I I think that, you know, for me, I expected it to be a close game just because I thought that I thought that Rice was the better team. But I thought that Middle Tennessee would likely play better, like Mm -hmm. you mentioned, because they'd played, Um, you know, and, and for me. Because, cause, uh, you know, that start to the game was pretty brutal, right? Like, Mike Collin goes 2 of 10 to start the game, but he finishes with four touchdowns and looks pretty good in his first game at Rice. Mm-hmm. Um, So, I think that in a lot of ways, at least in that third and fourth quarter, it looked like what I hoped it would look like. You know, I, I think that they obviously still have a lot of growth to do. I think that, you know, they're not running the ball at the level that they need to right now. But, I mean, again, it's it's game one. It's week one. They're still trying to figure out their offensive line situation. Um, but, you know, all the pieces were kind of there, right? Like, you kind of right. saw them at different points. And and so I was I was impressed. I am going to be curious to see whether they can kind of carry that over next week as they go on the road to Southern Miss. But, but yeah, I mean... I think I wrote this in uh, in our college power poll recap, but uh, but to me, nothing that happened in this game makes me worried or disappointed or or anything about this team. Like that's why I put them at ten, even right. though there are multiple teams that have wins, obviously, because because to me, this was what I expected Rice to look like uh, for the most part. And and again, they should have won the game on multiple mm-hmm. occasions, right? Because not only do they do they miss that field goal and play for that field goal. But they give up a, a late drive in the fourth quarter when they're up three and give up a, a field goal to tie the game. And it takes like 35 seconds, I think. Like, you know, that's the sort of stuff that, I mean, that, that really shouldn't happen, right? Like, you should be able to get one stop in 35 seconds. So that that part was definitely disappointing. But again, they looked like a team that's just coming back. So I'm not, I'm not worried at all about where this team is. But they have to be better, obviously, heading forward. So moving to number nine, the Baylor Bears. Uh, Baylor their defense looks very good. Yes. Uh, I, I will give them that. Their defense looks quite a bit better than even I expected, I think. Um, you know, Christian Morgan at safety was out, and they got beat for two long balls, and both of those long balls were exactly where Christian Morgan would have usually been. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, and that's the thing too, right? Is like, if, if Baylor has Christian Morgan in that game, and if he's there for both of those plays, like, we're talking about this being like a like we're we're talking about it being a race to double digits for both of
1: these teams right like right this game was not fun to watch no this was very ugly yeah i uh, yeah i don't know it, it Baylor tried to i mean last year the thing that Baylor was able to do was obviously run the ball on Texas mm-hmm. um it really couldn't um and well, they tried to it, it, to, to counter that, they didn't yeah. really try. Like that's fair. None of
0: their running backs had double-digit carries, and, and that was one of the big complaints I saw I th- from people after the game.
1: Yeah, I um, feel like it was like maybe they got stopped a couple times and was like, well, that's done. Yeah. And then they just like, yeah. then it was like, okay, well, Charlie Brewer's going to throw for almost 50 passes, and it's like, oh, I don't right. I don't like that at all. Um, right. And, like, I mean, I don't know. It's the same story with Charlie Brewer now, where it's just like they're obviously right. not letting him throw – nine yards and so he's throwing everything underneath or to the side and it's like okay well Texas is uh, as bad as Texas is they're bad when you try to take the top off them and they let something big happen they're not bad when you when you willingly keep things in front of them and you know just let them swarm your receivers so you know you can target guy you can give Gavin Holmes 10 catches or whatever and he's you know he's not going to do anything if they're just going to be five yard outs or something so um I don't know, I think they played too much into Texas's hands.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no question. Uh no and and back to the running thing for just a second. Like it is kinda interesting because it feels like Baylor, specifically with John Lovett, is like hesitant to just let him keep trying. You know, Mm -hmm. it feels like it feels like if he doesn't break one off for like fourteen yards in his first three carries and they're just like, Well, he doesn't have it today and I mean You know, and and the thing is, right, like he's big enough to be a workhorse back and he plays well enough to be a workhorse back, too, at times. Um, And and I I thought he played very well going between the tackles, even though, you know, Baylor. One of the reasons that they went away from the run and and I think the game plan completely went away from the run was because they were missing two of their starting offensive linemen, including Connor Galvin. And Mm. so um, so I think that they kind of. Figured like well Texas is gonna dominate us there so let's try to only get to the sides and it was kind of interesting because I thought that they competed better in the middle of the line than I expected right like sure. I thought that they were gonna get beat by a lot and I'm sure some of that is ultimately that um you know that they did such a good job scheming to get away from that that it made it look like they weren't constantly getting beat but you know it still felt like uh, like they should have attacked the middle of the field and and attacked the middle of the line a little more than they did um you know and and you mentioned the downfield passing stuff like Aranda said that he just felt like they couldn't protect long enough to let Charlie Brewer throw now I don't know if I totally buy into all of that right Mm -hmm. like I, I also don't think that they're gonna give him many chances to do it but I don't know it's it's uh and something has to change with this offense. Like, right. the defense is playing too well for this offense to be doing this. Now, I mean, obviously, you know, I used to cover Baylor, so I have a lot of Baylor fans in my mentions with some thoughts. And, uh, you know, so I've already got the who's our next head coach, and I've already gotten the <laughs> I've already gotten the, is this our version of the 2017 1-11. I'm like, no. Oh,
1: jeez. What? Oh my gosh!
0: Look at the team that's out there. It's pretty damn good. I was about to say if
1: you're comparing this to the one that you know, yeah, where Charlie, where Charlie Brewer had to like save the season as a 18 year old. Like, come on now, yeah. <laughs> Try like, and salvage it's... whatever they had on that. on that t- like that was like that was Charlie Brewer as an 18 year old. Like just like sure kid go knock them dead and like because <laughs> right. we have nothing else like how is that team this team is not right. that. this team is clearly a capable uh good program like they're in a good spot that team was a bunch of dudes patched together trying to play football
0: <laughs> right like their two losses were a double overtime loss at west virginia where baylor has never won and an 11 point loss against Texas where right. missing a safety like leads to lapses like yeah. let's relax everybody <laughs> my goodness <laughs> That's uh, I, I will say i will say i i will be at this game next week you know who they're playing next week
1: i have not looked at the schedule
0: we're going to get to see Baylor versus TCU <laughs> We're going to oh get gosh. to see two teams that are basically the same team, by the way. Uh, yeah,
1: that is. Golly. Get to go
0: against each other. Oh my goodness, it's going to be an absolute mess. I can. I, I have cannot no idea wait what we're going to talk about on the preview.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just copy oh. and paste the discussion for both teams. <laughs>
0: Except for that, uh, except for that, I'll say, well, Max Duggan can launch it, but they can't protect him. And I'll say Charlie Burr can't launch it, and they and can't they kind of
1: <laughs> they semi can maybe protect him for longer. They, I don't know. <laughs> they can protect him a little bit, right? Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. We'll see whether it, you know. Again, like, I think that the Lions played play pretty well when Connor Galvin's there, and they played better than I expected against yeah. uh, against Texas front. Now Texas doesn't pass the or rush the passer as well as they should, which is a whole other thing. That oh, Compton speaking of get to.
1: speaking of Baylor, uh, Bill. Voth from the Pan- the Panthers just tweeted that uh, Matt Rule is back in his smock. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta bring the mocha, man. Gotta get that eleven win
0: energy. Back. There you go. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, that that's certainly a development. <laughs> 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 Moving on to number eight, uh,
1: Henry Columbia, man. Oh my god. He gosh. looked good. Number yeah. eight, Texas Tech. That was awesome. Like, I mean, you know, he. he I think it was an adjustment for people to see like a tech offense that was moving without being necessarily, like, absolutely explosive. It was
0: plotting. It was plotting.
1: But it was still, like, they were... That was what they wanted to do, right? It was, like, it was clear that it was, like, okay, well, we want a guy who's dynamic enough to run the ball, which, okay, cool, they gave him double-digit carries. um, And, like, enough to pick things over the middle and just methodically move down the field. And the offense looked good. Like, Mm -hmm. it was against a very good West Virginia defense. Like, that wasn't just anybody they were picking, you know, picking and, 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 and surgically moving against. It was a team that, I mean, I thought, you know, we, we we kind of assumed that, okay, this is a terrible spot for Columbia to get his first start, but, I mean, he made the most of it, man. They looked really good. Yeah, and the thing that I'll
0: say too, right, is... I've kind of felt that over the past two seasons that Texas Tech's defense has gotten a bit of a bad rap. Like, mm-hmm. I, I felt like they really showed improvement and were just put in such bad situations that it made them look so much worse than they were. And I feel like this game was some validation of that because they hold Letty Brown, who's been one of, I think, the nation's top five rushers, mm-hmm. uh, to three point three or sorry 3.6 yards per carry, right, for this game. Yeah. that's impressive right and and they make uh jared daigie you know sort of a non-factor in this game and like west virginia scores some points i mean they're good enough to score points but like i mean i'll tell you what too like you, you kind of look at uh you know i follow a couple west uh, west virginia media outlets afterwards and, and their fans are kind of in meltdown mode now because of what texas tech was able to do against jared daigie and against mm-hmm. their offense and you know, I, I think that you have to give uh, Columbia a lot of credit just because, like you said, I mean, what they needed from their quarterback was just a guy who was going to keep moving the ball. And, you know, I, I, I ran the numbers last week for a story. Uh, you know, the, Henry Columbia just doesn't go three and out. Like, he just right. doesn't at all. I think that the stat was that uh, Alan Bowman, 11 of his 27 uh, drives were less than a minute and now, mm-hmm. like one or two of those, one or two of those were touchdown drives, right? Like right, you know, right. there were definitely some thrown in there. But you know, it's it's boomer bust with Alan Bowman, mm-hmm. and I believe that Henry Columbia didn't have a single drive that was less than eighty seconds, right? So more than less than a, a minute and twenty, and his his average drive was like three thirty, like mm-hmm. so that's something that he does really well is he just keeps the ball movement. Uh, his average drive was nine plays per drive. This is all in a story on textfootball.com, by the way, that you should mm-hmm. check out. But, um, but you know, that's just what he does, right? He just keeps the ball moving and it's, it's never spectacular. You know, again, it's, it's not that he's, it's not that he's Lamar Jackson out there, you know, moving things with his legs. He just gets four more yards and keeps things going, right? Like right. it just makes the heads up play. And I think you just have to give him a lot of credit. And the other thing that you say too, is he was playing with a crap ton of freshman receivers. Like, all of their mm-hmm. receivers were out. Like, my goodness, like, TJ Baxter was out, McLean Mannix was out. Like, I think that they had, like, five or six receivers who usually play who were out. So he was throwing the freshman out there and looked really good doing it. So I, I just have to give, uh, you know, obviously Henry Columbia a lot of credit, but, but also just their game plan and, and how their offense looks with... A guy who can kind of keep the ball moving. You know, this is right. why I thought that they needed to make the change.
1: I think that I think that the a good a good visualization I kind of use for this is, is it's similar in soccer where you just have a guy where it's like you just know things aren't gonna go wrong. Yeah. And it's like Alan Bowman is that guy who who is like, okay, well he he might give you an eight, but he might also might like give you a three, right, out of ten. Right, right. But just, he might just give you, his ceiling might just be a seven, but he's not going to give you worse than a five. Right. And it's like, okay, that's, you know, eventually when you see Tech, like you mentioned, Tech's defense is pretty good, pretty okay. And when you see them getting constantly thrown under the bus because the offense can't sustain, it's like, okay, screw it. Give me the guy that gives me a six. Right. I just need somebody to give me a six to make sure that the defense doesn't wear out, to be able to move the ball. And I think that's eventually where Matt Wells, Matt Wells was, because we saw last year that, OK, when they had Jed Duffy in, a guy, again, a guy where the, the floor wasn't going to bottom out and the ceiling wasn't going to necessarily be astronomical. But you saw him able to move the ball, able to move, make things happen with his legs and bail the defense out at times, give them some rest. OK, well, this year again, Alan Bowman's boomer bust. So he might go three and out. He could go and throw for 300 yards and, you know, you know, throw three touchdowns or whatever. But eventually that just gets where, you know, it's two years going on two years now under him. Um, And I mean, we also don't think the system's necessarily the perfect fit. And so, you know, he, he might just be like, you know what? Let's just try something new. Give me a guy who I can be reliant on. And I mean, so far so good.
0: Definitely, definitely. So it'll be interesting to see next week they go against Oklahoma. So, you know, not a, obviously on that side of the ball, not a defense that's going to cause too many issues, uh, you hope. So you you kind of think that maybe, you know, this is something that could be sustained. Like, not that they're going to go and beat Oklahoma, obviously, but, you know, I think it's going to be a good test for them to see where this team is at. Because, again, if you, if you go and put up 34 points and keep the ball moving against a defense that at this point was number one, and, and obviously – you know, schedule plays into that all that sort of stuff but like mm-hmm. it's a legit top of the line defense right uh i think that that bodes really well about what you're gonna do heading forward so moving on to seven the texas longhorns they move up one spot after the 27-16 win over baylor uh again i mean they looked fine uh i, I you know i think their defensive per- uh, performance was more about what baylor couldn't do than what mm-hmm. they did do um you know sam mellinger did his thing. I don't you know, I, I I don't know. I didn't I didn't feel like I took a whole lot away from this game for Texas. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, I they think played we, fine and they won.
1: Yeah. I think we I mean, that was more or less what we kind of thought, right? It was like right. Texas's offense is probably the if not the best then the equal unit on the field with Baylor's defense and i just trust their offense to maybe get some breaks against Baylor's defense then Baylor do the same versus Texas and that's exactly what happened um you know yeah. you mentioned those two passes where Morgan would have been there so you know yeah eh. I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know i don't really i feel bad cuz like Texas wins but it's like eh, i don't know i don't i don't this doesn't change anything i mean they ran yeah. the ball pretty okay i guess
0: <laughs> yeah no i mean and that is one thing that i hope that texas can sort of uh lean on heading forward is is how they ran the ball but mm-hmm. they've they kind of haven't stuck with it you know right. had, in a lot of games um you know i kind of liked the uh, i liked how they distributed the carries between robinson and ingram i think that both could have had a few more but um you know i think it's good for them to get multiple guys into double digit carries and so you know again it, it was fine. Like I, I didn't feel like anything was especially special. Uh, we got to see a Tariq Black big play, so you know that was yeah. something that we've kind of been waiting on. But mm-hmm. somebody from yeah. this
1: receiving core make a big play. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And so definitely. Uh, I, I'm I'm really curious to see. I mean, we'll preview it this week, but this game against Oklahoma State's mm-hmm. gonna be fascinating because I feel like this was the right week to get the running game going because you're gonna need to ball control against that Oklahoma State offense, and so if you can. You know, if they were able to establish this, okay, that formula of maybe a combined 45 carries across Ellinger and two backs, like, maybe that's something you kind of have to go with, because I don't want Spencer Sanders throwing for 400 yards against his defense.
0: Right. No, no question about it. So... Moving up to number six, uh, we still have UTEP there. They're three and three after a thirty-eight twenty-eight loss to Charlotte. I was very disappointed by how this game ended because I really did feel like UTEP was the better team for a lot of the day,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: they they just had crazy turnover issues in this game. They threw t- uh, Gavin Hardison threw two pretty bad interceptions, including one on the first drive actually mm-hmm. that gave Charlotte the a seven-zero lead, and then Deion Hankins had. A very uncharacteristic fumble that was again returned right after that so I mean when when uh, Charlotte had a short field they kind of dominated and when they didn't you know UTEP played pretty well on defense but but they just kept giving Charlotte these short fields and that was kind of the difference in this game.
1: Right, yeah, I'll admit I did not see any of this game, so I was about, I was just gonna ask, like, was the 38 points just the circumstances of field position as opposed to UTEP's defense just kind of letting them score?
0: Yeah, I, I think at the end, let me, I'm pulling up the box score again too, I believe that the game was a lot lower scoring until kind of the the last little gasp of the game, <clears throat> and uh yeah, I mean, heading into the fourth quarter, the score was 21-14 Charlotte, and then gotcha. there was just... Actually, in the last five minutes, there were uh, there was a Charlotte touchdown, UTEP touchdown, Charlotte touchdown, UTEP touchdown. So, like... Mm. So, actually, yeah, I mean, this game... Because it, it is kind of funny. I mean, I... T- Yesterday was a very long day, obviously, but uh, but like I, I thought that I remembered the game being a lot lower scoring, and it's because yeah, it was all in the last five minutes, basically. Like it was twenty four fourteen with five minutes left in the game, and so uh, and then they just everybody just <laughs> had a turn scoring some points to bump up their stats or whatever. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I mean, again, I just felt like you have wasted some opportunities here. Um, you know, I, I'd say that the the biggest moment of the game that. I don't want to say that the game swung on, but ended up being a a big deal was uh, late in the second quarter. Um, UTEP had just scored. Charlotte had the ball sort of one last chance. And, um, and it looked like UTEP was going to have a chance to get them off the field. But then Charlotte, thro- uh, to end a five-minute drive, throws a 22-yard touchdown and ties the game heading into the half. And they got the ball back after the half. And that was really the difference, you know, and I mean, Charlotte didn't score on that first drive after the half, but um, but it just sort of changed the momentum of the game a little bit. It, it kind of changed the outlook of the game. You know, Charlotte was able to play a little bit more conservatively after that because they were playing tied instead of down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's just if you hold them to a field goal there, right, then... Yeah it's just such a different ball game if you're playing with a 14-10 lead. So again, I, I felt like UTEP, the big thing about all this, right? is like, we're talking about a game where they're going on the road against a team that's probably going to finish 500 or better and they should have won the game, right? Like that's, that's still a good place to be for UTEP. That's why I didn't feel like they needed to move down. Um, but you got, you got to start winning some of these. Uh, number five, we got the TCU horn Frogs and, I will say there is a pretty sizable gap between five and four here for me. Like, those top four teams are pretty different than uh, than when we get to five. Because, you know, you say TCU's at five. They're one and three and don't look all that good. Uh, I'll tell you what. Um, well, we'd like to give a quick thank you to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. And if there's somebody who could have used a North Texas Honda Dealers helping hand this week, it's Max Duggan.
1: Oh, buddy. Buddy, 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 buddy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> golly that first what happened to that first half against Iowa State man he needs, second he needs half, but yes. second half sorry yeah um I don't know man I, I just don't know I really don't know right now any, or anymore um I don't know what you, I don't know what TC wants to be because they're not even running like do they have a running back anymore like to help him out or something like he's just kind of on an island out there it feels like yeah. I don't know it's it, it it was bad um I, I think we said during the week that we wouldn't be surprised if this is the game where Oklahoma kind of gets looking good again. And yeah. surprisingly, Oklahoma looked pretty good, and you know it looks like they they found their number one star receiver and a freshman who happens to be uh, our former uh, Mr. Texas Football, Marvin Mims. Um, and then who Rattler- could have seen this coming? I know, right? Who could have seen a good a good wide receiver who sets all kinds of records uh, in a pass happy offense? Um, and Spencer Rattler, I mean, the one thing that he always did, does is make mistakes, and he didn't make any mistakes. So nope. <laughs> again, when you're if you can't get Spencer Rattler to make mistakes, guess what? He's going to probably throw for three hundred yards, which is exactly what he did.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what he. I mean, obviously, you know, Oklahoma's not one of the teams that we cover, but they play so many Texas teams, we get to see him a lot. Like right. when the ball comes out of his hands, I mean, it is it is as effortless as there was, any there, was as floater, as there was seen.
1: a floater. There was a floater. I can't remember who it was to. I think it was it the Marvin to
0: touchdown pass, right? What?
1: No, no, no. This one was to Weiss. I think it was to Weiss along the, the, okay. the bottom sideline. And it was like, it was just like a 14 yard touch pass. But it was like, he flicked it, like, you know, how Kyler Murray kind of flicks it. But yeah. like, the ball just like perfectly rainbowed. Like, it, if I feel like if anybody else makes that throw, people are talking about how weak his arm is. But like, it was like <laughs> intentionally lofted and just like right. skied into the air and just like gently floated down into Weiss's hands. And I was like, that that is like, that's intentional. Like that, those type of touch, that type of touch is intentional. And like, I was like, I don't, I don't think I've seen a pass like that this season where it was just like, let me just flick this like a punt and just like gently float it down like a feather into Theo Wiese's hands.
0: <laughs> right.
1: No, and, and so
0: for TCU, yeah, you mentioned that running game. I mean, they, they just had such a bizarre strategy doing it. And I know they want to be more air raid, right? Like I know that that's sure, obviously sure. why they but brought. You have, but you have like five event. running backs. <laughs> right. All of whom are, should be pretty, pretty good, good, right? Based on what we know about them, you know, their running backs combined. And it was, it was, uh, one, two, three, it was four different guys who who ran the ball. They combined for 15 carries. Like that's <sighs> oh, weird. That's weird. That's yeah. not how you handle it. And I, I mean, and, uh, way Foster and Kendra Miller combined, or uh, each had five carries to lead all running backs. That's weird. Why? Yeah. Why are they only carrying the ball ten combined times? why is uh, darwin barlow only getting four tries at this right like i I mentioned a
1: team where you should be able to sustain drives and not want to give the ball back to the offense like that should be that should be the thing against oklahoma right That you know you know if you keep punching they're gonna give up something and if they don't give up something they're gonna keep giving up just five yards and four yards every time so it's like i don't know like that's and then obviously uh, you trust your defense but i wouldn't i wouldn't continue i wouldn't say they're gonna shut down this offense for you know a full game so I I don't know. I'd be trying to keep the ball away as much as possible, and you have the tools to do that.
0: Yeah, and, and the big thing too is, I mean, I I I want to be clear, right? Like TCU defenses, Gary Patterson defenses are always going to be good, right? Like they just are. But mm-hmm. this, there were just so many lapses yesterday. Yeah. Like like it's starting to feel like like the Mims, like
1: trust me, the Mims is great. But there were some pa- there were some plays where you're like, why is he that open? <laughs>
0: Right. And, you know, I will say they lost their top corner, Noah Daniels, and it sounds like he's going to be out for the year. And mm-hmm. that's obviously terrible, terrible news. But, you know, you still have this team and the secondary especially that's, you know, playing at a really high level that you expected a whole lot from. And the thing that I'll say too is, you know, Oklahoma hadn't been able to run the ball at all against anybody through the first mm-hmm. couple of games. And TJ Pledger uh, Pletcher, was able to have a real breakout game for them with 122 yards and a touchdown. So look, I'm not saying that there's any reason to like be concerned about TCU's defense. Like I still think that they're very good and, you know, should be one of the better ones in the big 12, but this offense obviously isn't going to be good. You know, I think that they they can be better than what they were yesterday, but, um, but you know, expecting them to be good is even a little much and a, a little unfair. And so, like, are you going to have this super crazy elite defense that, you know, that's going to keep your team in games and is going to get you to, you know, I don't know if we'll have bowl games, but to get you to a bowl game, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. right now they're 1-3, and three, uh, and I don't—I I will say, right, like, the reason that they're number 5-2 is because, like, their three losses are to three good teams, right? Mm-hmm. Like, OU, Kansas State, Iowa State. Like, none of those are concerning losses on the surface, but— It's just, again, I mean, this game against Baylor next week is going to be pivotal. Like, that's a must-win game for them, in my opinion. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, Baylor's looked so mediocre so far this year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So, if if Baylor's able to create some offense next week, that's bad news. That's really bad news. Um, And then, you know, you get Tech, you get West Virginia, you get Kansas. So, like, that three-game, or I guess uh, a four-game stretch, like, that's four winnable games. You have to at least go, I mean... to to feel good about it I feel like you need to go three and one in those games like Mm -hmm. you basically need that to go uh I mean you really kind of need that to even that wouldn't be enough to go uh 500 or above 500 since they play nine games like I don't know it's you have to go 4-0 in those next four games to just finish above 500 uh for the season so I don't know it's it they're in a tough spot right now um and this this next week's game against Baylor is going to be Really pivotal in my opinion. So moving on to number four, we've got the UTSA Roadrunners sitting at four and three after a 27, 26 win over Louisiana tech. Did you get to watch the fourth quarter of this game?
1: Dear God, sincere McCormick. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did. I saw, I saw, I saw, I was flipping back and forth, so I didn't see it at all, but there were two things that stood out to me. One is obviously sincere McCormick is still the best running back in the state. And yes. uh, what in God's name is Louisiana Tech doing juggling two <laughs> quarterbacks? Yeah, I,
0: I don't really get that. I really don't get that.
1: I, I get you that, that Luke Anthony was, was kind of whatever, but like, why would you put Aaron Allen in on the last draw? Like, why would you give him crunch time?
0: Right. I didn't like get that Like, time. You might
1: as well get the guy that you know is going to be whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, he played most of the game, and then all of a sudden, Aaron Allen comes in surprised, throws a pick, and, like, you know, they lose. But it's like, why are you asking this kid to come in in the last quarter and just, like, try to win you the game? I don't know. That was such a weird decision. But regardless, since you're McCormick's awesome, uh, you know, the big worry for us was that this offense is ceiling with Frank Harris, which I think we still saw that. Um, yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like that, but I feel like they adjusted well. Obviously, Frank Harris can only do so much as a passer, so they were like, "Screw it, since McCormick's going to get forty carries."
0: <laughs> right. Well, and the thing that I'll say right is that while obviously, like you mentioned, they have limitations uh, with Frank Harris in the game, I also think that they have a much stronger identity with Frank Harris. Oh, sure. Harris I mean, the they, they're
1: definitely a running team with Frank Harris, and a good running team with Frank Harris.
0: Right. Like, and and I thought that look he was inconsistent as a passer to to say the least right in right. this game but but I mean I don't know I like I I really do think that um that when they have those two guys in the game I, I feel like it really opens up the offense makes them dynamic in a way that you know again like Lowell Narcisse played well like he passed the ball at a pretty high level but uh but you know they they just weren't quite the same even when he was playing well mm-hmm. and you know so I just feel like uh like the dynamic that Frank Harris brings when he comes in. And obviously like in this game yesterday, they didn't use him a lot as a runner. And part of that was, I think that Louisiana tech was prepared for that. But, um, but I just think that it opens things up a lot of the time. And I would like to still see UTSA take a few more shots, even with Frank Harris, even with his sort of questionable passing ability, just to, sure. just to free things up even more.
1: Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they have talent uh, on the outside, so it's, it's, definitely. Not, it's not like they're asking him to throw it to nobody.
0: No, no, for sure, for sure. And, and he had some, some big passes to Zachary Franklin, and, and obviously, like, Josh Cephas didn't have a good game yesterday, but he's historically been really good for them. You know, so, like, I, I think that there's the pieces here. And the thing that keeps getting me about this team is that they keep kind of reinventing themselves every single week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, it, it's funny, right? Like, I think that I've made this comparison before, but this looks like a high school team that just every week is like well shoot we feel like we can do this so let's freaking do it right yeah yeah
1: it's it's i mean it's obviously that it's obviously a a well-coached team and it's obviously something that jeff trailer is obviously he he, you could tell that he like you said he comes from Mm -hmm. high school ranks knowing that okay this guy's good this guy's good to go this week let's make let's game plan this way you know high school is such a fluid uh game planning sport year to year not knowing you know obviously not being able to to choose exactly what guys you want so it's like okay this quarterback can't run this year okay this quarterback can run he can't really throw this year so it's it's being able to adjust on the fly like that I think I mean I don't think you could pick a better coach for that um to be able to, to adjust to that these kind of things
0: yeah, so I think that they've just done a tremendous job, um, and and look again, they're above 500. They just <clears throat> they just match their win total from last season, right? At four and yeah. three, and they still have what five games left to go, and mm-hmm. and games against UTEP, games against Southern Miss, games against North Texas, a game against Rice. Like, I I mean, I'm
1: looking at the schedule and I see four wins potentially. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, four I. More. We'll see what I happens against all, FAU. I think they're all winnable, right. but like I think four wins were four games are they probably favored.
0: Yeah. No, I mean I, I think that I think that winning any less than three over the last five would not be disappointing, but I, I think that it's fair to expect them to win sure. three of their next five and, and I'd say that
1: I'd say that the I'd expectations say that, would make it somewhat disappointing if they only win three.
0: Yeah. If they win I mean, if but, they
1: win three or less.
0: I think that the expectation right now is for them to finish at least six and five, right? Sure. Which, sure. Which in Jeff Taylor's first season, I mean that's that's He's unbelievable. Nuts. Yeah. That's unbelievable. So, uh, very excited about where UTSA is at. Um, moving on to number three, the Houston Cougars. They beat Navy thirty-seven twenty-one.
1: Houston start a game a... well. Challenge.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> just just no, no. just refuse <laughs> the, the, the bugs bunny no meme <laughs> well no i mean look i i don't have a whole lot to take away from this game like they as soon as they realized oh we maybe can't get away with doing this uh then you know things went fine right but but like you mentioned uh in the in the second quarter they were down 13-9 um you know they they Find a way thankfully, to score before the half and then kind of run away after that, but I mean, Houston's just making this so much harder than it needs to be. It was like everything like
1: it was like in the the third quarter and the second half, they realized like, oh, we don't have to play Navy's game. Like, right. We don't like we're like navy right. <laughs> like there is no rule that says that you just have to play ground control and like slug it out with the Navy. It's like, why are you playing? Like, I, I don't know. I was, I was like, just go up one touchdown and you win the game. Like because <laughs> navy's not playing from behind. Like it was so weird to see them just like not be able to move the ball and Navy be able to control. I was like, why are you playing their game? Like this is exactly the football game the Navy wants to play. And like you said, they realized like, oh, wait, we can just score one touchdown go up and just squash the game, and that's exactly what happened. They went up, Navy couldn't move the ball anymore. Oh, no, they can't stop Houston either. Okay, game over.
0: Right, so, you know, I I guess all I have to take from this game is, yeah, Houston, uh, the first quarter counts too, the second (laughs) quarter counts too, uh, and once you realize that, you're going to be an awesome, awesome football (laughs) team, Um, but, you know, we're not there yet. We're unfortunately not there yet. You got Uh, got
1: one week to figure this out before you get Cincy.
0: Uh, yeah, well and you get UCF this week you get no weeks figured out man like you gotta you gotta have it ready right away so um yeah this is this is really now because Navy was like the one conference game that you're, you feel you know you know that they're gonna win right yeah but but now you got UCF, Cincy, USF that's another one at SMU versus Tulsa who's been salty this year at Memphis so first quarter challenge come on let's do it <laughs> let's all let's all make a, a friendship promise together that we're gonna start in the first quarter so uh anyway number two the SMU Mustangs uh they lose 4213 to Cincinnati now I will say 42 they gave up like two touchdowns late in the game when they just kind of gave up right like this game was not 4213 like mm-hmm. but it was, I will say it
1: wasn't it it was it wasn't 4213 but it also to me wasn't
0: close. Yes, no, th- this was yeah. a blowout in uh, in Cincinnati's own way. So, yeah, this was... I, I will say this, right? Like, I've obviously watched, uh, you know, every every SMU game the last two years since they've had Shane Bouchelle and Sonny mm-hmm. Dykes, um, and I've been at a fair number of them, and this was the first game that I saw where I was just like, oh, my God, SMU is totally outmatched.
1: It was s- devastating. Like, so... <clears throat> It was I tweeted this last night, and it was unfair to kind of watch. Um, Sinti's front four is ridiculous. It's and ridiculous. And because they're ridiculous, anytime they blitz, they're getting pressure. And so every time they blitzed, Shane Bichelle was either on the ground or running out of the pocket— Or Bentley was getting shut down. Like it was, it was their front four. And we knew that was going to be the case, right? We knew Cincy's defense was going to be the, the, that side of the ball was going to be the matchup, right? And they had no answer for Cincy's defense, for Cincy's front four. And their corners are good enough to where, you know, if Rice isn't getting a step on a guy like they're going to, you know, Luke fickle trust is secondary. And for good reason, they were pretty damn good too. And so they didn't have to blitz a lot and they were able to match up everybody. And SMU really struggled because they didn't have, I know you tweeted this a little last night. They didn't have that balance on the ground to be able to keep their defense, you know, uh, to be able to, uh, to force Cincy to keep guys in the box. And so they could rush for maybe blitz a guy or two, but mostly just stick to man to man and just kind of blanket the receivers. And they had no answer for it. Yeah. It, you
0: know i've said this before i i know that reggie robertson being out is a huge deal for them and, and actually in this game too uh danny gray went down and didn't come mm-hmm. back into now they, they think that he'll be okay i think but um but you know you lose two of your top receivers if not your two top receivers along with rasheed rice uh, obviously that's a big deal in itself but to me the biggest issue with this team is that they don't have tj mcdaniel yeah. like they just need a guy they have
1: no balance
0: Right. They cuz you listen to A Reliable Bentley, balance. Like Bentley, like right. so
1: Bentley can do stuff, but he's not a, he's not he does he's not dynamic enough to give you that third down back or he's a third down back and they're asking him to play every game or every down.
0: Yeah, like like here's the deal, right? Like Bentley is one of those guys who He's a speed back, you know. If you get him the ball and you get him some space, like he can do some really nice things. And and like, I mean, he was leading the nation in rushing for a while. Like, so I I really Mm -hmm. don't want the this to be that Bentley's bad because he's really good. Mm -hmm. The issue is, you need a guy who can carry the ball twenty five times a game, you know. And even if you don't give him the ball twenty five times a game, a guy who can withstand that. And Mm -hmm. I do think Tyler Levine's that a little bit. And you know, when they put him in the game for stretches. I thought the offense actually did work a little better when mm-hmm. when they had Levine in the game, but but obviously he's nowhere near as good as T.J. McDaniel, um, you know, who who both has that strength but also has that breakaway ability, you know, and so for for me it was just a little bit uh, like I, I just we had to see Shane Bouchelle have to play that short yardage back situation a couple of times. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know how many of the third down conversions were him just trying to run for it. Right. Like there were at least three or four of those. Yeah. And, um, you know, and switching just for a second to the other side of the ball, like, SMU looked completely, completely, completely unprepared for the quarterback run game. It like, looked he, like they just...
1: Ritter Ritter pulled it twice and just absolutely yeah. destroyed the game. Like, he, like he, he only had nine carries, but again, two of those were like... One of them was 90 yards. I can't remember how long the other one was. But it was like he pulled it twice and just killed the game. Like, it was done. Right. Like, that's just something that... You have
0: to know, right? Like, I don't know at some point why you don't spy him, right? Like, right. why well, you don't at least try it. <clears throat> I don't know why, uh, you know, even, like, I think that I think that the team was so worried about his passing ability, but, like, I mean, most of the stuff he threw was underneath. Like, he wasn't going sure. downfield. That's not something he can do. It was definitely, and, like they,
1: they made a concerted effort to make this about keeping Shane Bichelle off the field.
0: Yes, yes. And, no, I mean, and, and that's just that's not good enough, right? You can't give up 91-yard touchdown runs to another team's quarterback. That's Mm -hmm. just, that shouldn't happen. And, you know, and the other thing too is that, you know, I said that that Ritter didn't challenge down the field very much, but it seemed like every third down, you know, SMU would just have a miscommunication at safety and let a guy into the middle of the field. And I don't know, it was just, it seemed like they were unprepared for what Cincinnati was going to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in their defense, like Cincinnati hasn't played a lot of teams like SMU before. So their strategy did change on offense, but still, you know, that that's not the sort of thing that it, it feels like you should know that, that Cincinnati can run its quarterback, right? right like right. it feels like you should know that, hey, maybe you got to keep a linebacker down there. Hey, maybe you need to spy him. Hey, maybe you need to, you know, maybe maybe you need to, uh, you know, run some more nickel and dime coverage and uh, just get some quicker guys on the outside, right? So that even mm-hmm. if there are guys still back there, they can react faster. And none of that really happened. And so
1: yeah. I'm wondering, like, because the the Memphis game and obviously they lost Robertson in that game and, and McDaniel, and so <clears throat> what they look like afterward is is a different team. But like, what we thought that, that the the strides that they made winning that game in the fashion that they did, despite losing those two guys was like, okay, this is a team that has taken a step forward. And I think they still have, but I mean, there is still, there's so, I don't know if it's just Cincy being that good, but it was like, I hadn't seen them this overmatched before. And again, I don't know if that's just Cincinnati looking this good under, under Luke Fickle, but they just, it looked like two different teams that, didn't belong in the same conference to me
0: yeah and and I mean the thing that I'll say too right is that I mean SMU has not played a team anywhere close to this caliber of defense and the only one that really comes close is TCU last year and that Mm -hmm. wasn't a you know that wasn't one of Gary Patterson's better defenses I mean I think you can make the argument it was one of the the worst defenses that he's had since joining the Big 12 so this was a different challenge in terms of defense and that that, that they've ever faced. Right. Um, and I mean, obviously, during this run, they've played ranked teams before, but they haven't played a top ten team before. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is a different level. Um, now, the thing that I'll say too, right, is that I think that SMU at times has looked good enough to be right up there with them, you know, right. with the uh, with Cincinnati. But obviously. You know, just seeing what happened uh, yesterday. I mean, it's, it's just kind of hard to watch, and it's kind of hard to understand what's going on. I mean, I don't really know any other way to put it. So, I will say, right, like, there is still a very good path for SMU and Cincinnati to face off again in the AAC title game. Mm-hmm. Like, there's still very much a path there right SMU is still only 2 and 1 uh, Cincinnati's 2 and 0 they they easily have the the straight straightest path left to the title game um, you know Houston also is 2 and 0 so i mean we we must say too like they still have a great chance as well and and also mm-hmm. Tulsa's 2 and 0 which oh boy that's <laughs> uh, that's going to be something but um you know so for SMU now you get Navy next week at home you got t- two Temple two Tulsa versus Houston at ECU like i think that I all those games are winnable, right? Like sure. that Houston game is probably the one that you circle. But if you win I mean, that game, I will say
1: I'm intrigued by the Houston-Cincinnati matchup. Sure, um, sure. But but definitely, yeah. For SMU, that's I mean that's obviously the one that you're the one you're circling on your calendar.
0: Closing it out, uh, we'll just mention them briefly. Number one, moving up Texas A&M. Uh, they didn't play last week, but I think that they showed enough in their first couple of games that when SMU took a loss, they deserved to move up. Um, you know, they still have a win over over top five Florida. They still have some nice performances uh, so far to their name. So, you know, I, I think that they deserve to be number one in the country or not in the country. <laughs> they deserve to be number one in the state of Texas right now. So running back through things again, we got number 12. The Texas State Bobcats, number 11, the North Texas Mean Green, number 10, the Rice Owls, number 9, the Baylor Bears, number 8, the Texas Tech Red Raiders, number 7, the Texas Longhorns, number 6, the UTEP Miners, number 5, the TCU Horned Frogs, number 4, the UTSA Roadrunners, number 3, the Houston Cougars, number 2, the SMU Mustangs, and for the first time this season, number 1, the Texas A&M Aggies. All right, man, well, we finally got 12 teams in the poll right now. Uh, We finally got Rice in there
1: as disappointing as it was to see them uh squander that away but yeah it was fun
0: <laughs> it was fun it was fun uh so we're excited about that um next week halloween i, I know that something crazy is going to happen
1: cuz that's oh, just oh it's it's m Arkansas, ha- man that's going to be that, oh, that's, no. That's, oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh <laughs> no. That's all that's all the scariness you need right there i'm excited about that oh my that goodness one. it's going to be yeah, like eh. what i'm trying to think of like it's going to be like nine, 23 to 19 with, like, six turnovers. Kellen Mond's going to have, like, 280 yards passing with, like, two touchdowns and four picks. Like, it's going to be great.
0: Yeah, it's... Oh, man, that's <laughs> going to be such a weird game. I'm just pulling up the schedule right now. So we got Baylor-TCU, like I mentioned, which is just going to be a terrible game. Just a terrible, awful yes. game. Uh, Texas a arkansas like you mentioned, which is just going to be wild-ass. Texas has to go to Oklahoma State on Halloween. What yep. could go wrong? Yep. What could go wrong? Um, Oh boy, Uh, Texas State playing against Louisiana, I think that's just bad stuff. I think that just pretends badly. (laughs) Houston UCF, that's going to be wild ass, I think, too. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's... This is going to be a fun slate next week. It, it might go absolutely terribly for all of our favorite teams, but it's going to be fun. UTEP versus North Texas. Nobody's going to leave happy from that game. <laughs> so, oh yeah. I think this, uh, this is the stuff. This I think the, the Big stuff.
1: Twelve. I think the Big Twelve learned its lesson because uh, Iowa State has Kansas in Ames, <laughs> and so I think they were just like, we're just going to stop putting the good teams in Ames on Halloween. <laughs> I don't know though. Now Iowa State's one of the good teams, so I. That's very I mean, yeah. Is, is, is yeah. the is the Ames uh, a night in Ames curse reverse now?
0: <laughs> oh no! Is Jalen Daniels about to walk into Ames and come out with a win? That was <laughs> <laughs> well, is actually, That would we earn?
1: here's an intro. I mean Oklahoma at Tech ooh. on Halloween. There's some some freaky stuff happens in Lubbock at night. Man, well, well,
0: do we do we know what time the game is at as yet? Hold up. Oh, right oh is it
1: a night game in Lubbock? Yes, we should probably figure that out. if yeah, it's a if, night game in Lubbock. If it's a if, night game in uh, Lubbock, then then, we're, then yeah, now we're cooking up. with grease.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it is. It, it, is, is, it is. a PM. night game in Let's Lubbock. Go.
1: It's a night game. All right.
0: All right. We're whatever on the spread stuff. is whatever the spread oh, is. Take yes. tech.
1: Take tech. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> give me. Give
0: me all of it, man. Give me all of it. Oh my god. How many? Oh. How many turnovers is Spencer Rattler gonna have oh on the road? Oh the tortillas. <laughs> it's gonna be amazing. Oh man, I can't wait. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm officially super excited about next week and I'm all in. <laughs> so let's let's go. Let's go get it. So anyway, that should pretty much do it for us. Uh like I mentioned, make sure and pick up the basketball magazine, textbasketball.com store. We've got a lot of the content online at all the pre- now.
1: All the individual team previews are up right now.
0: Yes, yes. And if you're a high school basketball fan, we got all of that information in the magazine. Uh, if you're a fan of Baylor men's basketball or Texas Tech women's basketball, we got two big features on them uh, in the magazine. I got a chance to, to briefly read uh, Justin's pre- or Justin's feature excuse me, on Krista Gerlich. It's really good. I, mm-hmm. I definitely enjoyed that. So uh, make sure and check it out, texasbasketball.com slash store. I also, I also finally framed the cover like I do with all the cover stories that I do. And it looks pretty badass. I'm not going to lie to you. It, it looks really, really cool. So so make sure and check that out. But as always, thanks for our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. You can find all of our work at texfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. And be, make sure and become a subscriber at texfootballcom slash subscribe. Well, anyway, thanks so, uh, so much to everybody for joining us. And we'll be back with you guys again on Wednesday.